Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome, Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of... What's that, boy? You want to be the GM in our next Fringeworthy game? Sure. Yeah, you studied all the material. It's fine. But if a cat's a GM, it'll knock all the miniatures off the table. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yep. <laughs> Not to mention it, is, it, it would only last, like, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week, we are talking about uplifting animals in your various games uh, through whatever means you, you wish to use and how that would affect your gameplay. Would they be good pa- player characters? And just how, in general, does uplifting animals fit into various types of games? I've uh, you know, created a bit of an outline, but really uh, what I've already said goes way beyond that. So, Trav, when you think of uplifted animals, what do you think of? Well, I mean, obviously you have stuff from pop culture. You have the movie, the, the original and the remake, The Island of Dr. Moreau. You have the Planet of the Apes movies, because those apes were uplifted through science and then ended up taking over. In the TriTac games, oh god, FTL 2448, there were uplifted uh, gorillas, chimps, orangutans, and dolphins, and orcas. Oh, uh, let's see. Court, well, okay, hardwired hinterlands, those aren't up. Well, I mean, they're uplifted, obviously, but you don't know how, through how. But yeah, in pop culture, we have plenty of instances of animals being uplifted and the, the whole term anthropomorphized. And I mean, there's other role-playing games. You have albedo, anthropomorphic. Oh, God, what else? Oh, Justifiers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the old Gideon. That's a, bla- that's a blast from the past. Yeah, and I just got, I, I have copies from my one late uh, fellow gamer. I got a bunch of his old Justifier stuff and that took me down memory lane. But yeah, I'm trying to think of other instances in pop culture that we have uplifted animals. I mean, if you want to count, I mean, I don't know, like, well, Star Wars, those races are kind of, you know, true bred, but you see the various things. Oh, gosh. Um, well, there's there's a number of, uh, certainly there are a number of uplifted uh, dogs. And, uh, and of course, uh, and, well, Trigger was basically way too, and, and Comet from Briscoe County Jr. Oh, yeah. were way too smart to be actual, you know, but... They they weren't uplifted by by science or anything like that. They just happened to be like you know super geniuses. Well, okay, then we can bring in by science. Granted, it's you know just eugenic and and good breeding. The smart the smart horses from Puro Thirteen Black Powder. Right, these were specially bred. But I disagree that it's just you know a matter of breeding. Okay, uh, it's because I as I put it in, in the top of our list. Uh, a lot of mentation in human beings is the result of tool use and manipulation in early interaction with humans. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, at one point somebody uh, tried to raise a child and a chimpanzee, or it might have been an orangutan, babies uh, equally to try to see if the uh, how far they would go. And they basically were equivalent up to about the age of three, at which point then the humans started advancing. But up till then, you know, and that means that they were, you know, the the the, the infants, the chimpanzee or the orangutan, what they couldn't speak because they don't have human dentation, uh, but they were clearly getting their their desires across and were able to probably, you know, sit at a table and and used uh, use silverware and drink from a cup. And you know, carry their dishware over to the sink and other things like that. So, you know, that was a proven scientific experiment. You know, uh, I don't. It wasn't like repeated a lot because obviously, not too many people are going to go. And this was the, this was the scientist's own child that yeah. he was raising. You know, so it, not too many people are going to do this 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 particular one. So there was a lot of follow up on it. But it was surprising how far uh, that just by. Uh, uh, stimulating the animal 
uh, intelligence purposefully with tools and, and with certain kinds of stimulus, how much intelligence could be developed. So it's, you know, that's quite possible that, that we basically uh, underestimate uh, are the animals that are domesticated in our lives. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, there's the famous gorilla that knew sign that was taught sign language, Coco, who passed away a few years ago. Right. He and, communicated and, and she, wonderfully. She, she, sorry. She communicated wonderfully with her trainers and, from what I heard, got across some pretty complex concepts for, you would think, a gorilla. Okay. Well, remember, I think between humans and chimpanzees, it's what? 3% of the DNA is what separates us? Yeah, yeah. but only 5% separates us from a mollusk. So <laughs> oh, okay. That's not a good argument. Okay, then. Yeah, right. not a really good argument, but... The, the, the point still is is that, you know, when you look at the brains, you know, their brains are fairly similar to ours. And so are dolphins, which is why a lot of people say that dolphins and whales and other types of creatures like that should really be treated as protected species because they are almost human when it comes to the brain. Oh, yeah, yeah. So therefore, you know, it, you know there, there's some really strong possibilities of being able to easily uplift these animals. Okay, to make them more intelligent and more useful, to make them, you know, integrate more strongly in a human society. Because ultimately, that's most of the time, that's what we're talking about. We talk about, you know, uplifting animals. We're not uplifting animals just to see if we could do it. You know, we don't want, you know, it, it's, you know, we really aren't trying to create dancing bears. Oh, yes. you know, or yeah. or um, in uh, Young Frankenstein, where he's, He's up there dancing a two-step with his creator. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not why we're, that's not what we, I mean, that's to show how far we can go. But the real reason to do it is to make, is to make these animals more useful to us. And, uh, and by useful, there's a lot of things, you know, that we can talk about. You know, like uh, the, 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 you know, all of our social animals, you know, dogs, cats, birds, uh, snakes. Um, what, am, what else am I? Th- am I? Am I miss ferrets? Oh my gosh, you and your ferrets. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, <laughs> no, folks. If you remember back in the day, we did. Oh, this was years ago. A mini episode on pets, and at the time, I owned my ferret Zeke. Extremely devious little creature. I miss him to this day, and he passed away five years, five and a half years ago. And right. just they are, besides being incredibly agile and limber, they are also very crafty. Just if you think they can't get out of something, or they'll find a way. And just yeah, ferrets. That one scares me. Uplifting a ferret, anthropomorphite. Right. That scares the daylight. <laughs> And see, that animal has a very small brain, yeah. but obviously it's very developed. Some of our greatest, um, uh, some of our greatest scientists or greatest thinkers, uh, they, they basically took their brains out post-mortem to, because they thought that they could learn about the human brain by examining them, and they were surprised at how many of them were small, yeah. small brains. You know, they weren't you know, huge. And uh, we've learned since then that, that larger brains a lot of times means you are a larger body, need more brain to control that larger body. But yeah. some of these people were like only five, five and a half foot tall, five foot tall. Yeah, so, yeah Einstein wasn't all surprising. that big. Yeah, yeah, Einstein. Yeah, so they don't have to be that big, you know, the brain doesn't have to be that big. But what's more important is the frontal cortex and also the, um, uh, the temporal lobe, the, the speech center. Yeah. You see, you know, most animals don't have very large speech centers, but you know, we, you know, of course, uh, for us, if we lose, if we lose control of that, if that gets damaged, then we start suffering from aphasia, yes. where we have the inability to find the words to say what we need to say, and that greatly hampers our effective communication and, of course, our quality of life. So, if we could enhance that area either through whatever means, either through uh, mechanical augmentation, through, uh, uh, you know, uh, bioengineering, CRISPR, whatever, then that could actually increase the overall intelligence of an animal. But back to the, um, the you know, the reasons why we would do this. Uh, so, you know, you know, wouldn't it be nice to be able to, you know, when, when you want your animal to do something or you want to get cuddled with your animal, you could say, hey, come over here, let's hug. Or, you know, I, I, or the animal, if, if, they, if it wanted to be hugged, you know, instead of it coming over and bumping you and stuff like that, it could, it could somehow communicate better. 
that that's what it wanted. And so your relationship with these these uh, social animals could become much more fulfilling. Again, uplifting cats. I'm just not I'm not <laughs> feeling that one either. I, I I like cats a lot. So but I, I and the fact that you know the cats are very bossy and they come up and they they sit on your chest and they insist on getting rubbed, you know, and 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 and, and played with in the middle of the night. You know, it's all it's all very cute. My yeah. wife, on the other hand, uh, she the cat goes up to her, does the same thing. You know, she goes and rubs it like six times and it bites her hard. <laughs> She's like, why does it do that? Well, maybe if we could speak to animals, we could find out that, you know, I'm done. And, and you'd be like, okay, fine, fine, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, you know, and instead of us keep trying when the animal doesn't want it, because it did want it a second ago. So if they could communicate their desires, then of course, you know, you, you, there's, it's, it's going to cause problems because sometimes the animal's going to get mad at you. It's going to cuss you out. That's not, that doesn't, I mean, now, you know, I mean, uh, you know, whenever I got, you know, mad at my cats and, and punished it or something, you know, for something it did, it would usually walk, walk over, you know, at some distance, sit down and proceed to uh, uh, clean its anus in, yeah. in direct view of me. Yeah, and I'm always like, you know, this is you. This, <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, I get it. You're mad, you know, but... I'm just saying is that there's a, it, it, it's, it would probably be better if, if it could have just called me an ass, actually pointed at one. So, but uh. anyways, you know, all that, I, I, I see that as being better, you know, and of course helper animals that are truly assistive, like that are used for the blind, you know, wouldn't it be great if the blind, the person with their blind assist animal, the thing says, stop, there's a car coming. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just yanking back at you, or there's a mean person coming towards you, and you know, and and you're like, why are you barking? Where are you pulling me? You know, uh, it's there's a lot of things that these assistive animals. Yeah, you got your German Shepherd sitting there walking down dark alley, going, "Hey, watch it! That guy on the left is packing." You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, I could smell. You know, that guy over there, I, I smell gun smell oil. Yeah. I could smell gunpowder on him. He's recently fired a, a pistol or a rifle. Yeah, that that would be something to know. Uh, but you know, uh, right now uh, they have trained uh, some uh, uh, monkeys to be really useful assistive animals. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they can do or all they can do. I think it's for like paraplegics. Ah, okay. and, they wear, and, and the paraplegic wears like a laser pointer on their head. And whenever they point, put the light of the laser pointer on, the monkey will go over and grab it and bring it over t- uh, to him. And, uh, you know, for whatever you know, reason, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what all they can do, but I'm just saying is, is that there's... Uh, because they have the prehensile hands, you know, monkeys a lot of times can be very, very effective uh, in these things. That would, and of course, if we were to uplift them, they would be even more effective. Oh, yeah. Okay. But uh, there's lots of other reasons why we would want, you know, to uh, to do that. Number one, uh, beyond that, is is that the biggest problem about keeping animals healthy is we don't know when they're sick. We don't know what's wrong with them. We don't know where it hurts. The animal can't really communicate it very well except by its actions. And a, a, a doctor, you know, a, 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 veterinarian. a veterinarian is basically, you know, playing, uh, you hear about the horse whisperer. All veterinarians are animal whisperers. Yeah. So, because they're just basically looking at the animal, trying to determine what's wrong with the animal. And sometimes, like, your, your, your dog's acts real mopey you know he won't eat you're like oh he's got an upset tummy no he's got a bad tooth but the doctor has to examine him thoroughly before he can figure it out if your animal could say my tooth hurts then you can immediately get it taken care of so that would be a a, a great assistance and some of our really valuable animals like um oh, you know the the wild animals that are in zoos uh horses which are extremely expensive uh you know, and, and all these animals, they just by being able to communicate on an effective level with them would so in, enhance our, our ability to treat them and, and to take care of them. But there's a dark side of it, too, which is animal testing, right, Trav? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, see, there was the 
episode and you you I know you've seen the series Penn and Teller BS. It was on Showtime for several seasons. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, you didn't Oh, okay. Wow. I have, I have seen some of the Penn okay. and Teller stuff. I'm not sure I've seen that particular one. Okay, there was one that they did on animal testing and they brought up about PETA and all this. And at the end of the episode, before they rolled the credits, they listed all of the modern medical techniques, sciences, and technologies that we have now due to animal testing. It was a pretty long list, and it's a lot of stuff that we take for granted. And Almost all of our surgical techniques. Yeah. Well, a lot of surgical techniques were also founded due to um, Nazi, Angel of Death. Yosef uh, no, Mengele. Not really. No, no. I mean, I, mean I, I, I do realize they did do some stuff like that. But I'm just saying, is it like most of things like operating on hearts, uh, remove, you know, transplanting livers, yeah. and things like that? That was all done with live animals, you know, from one to another to get to figure out what were the factors, you know, what, what, where were we going to run into trouble? You know, the, the, that's where they discovered that, you know. Organs don't always show up in the same place in the body you expect them to. They're not always the same shape. Sometimes they got extra veins and arteries going to them that you didn't know about. And and, and you find that out through experimentation yeah. and practicing. And you don't want to do that on a human subject because they'll die. You oh, do yeah. that on animals. And, you know, and of course an animal that can tell you that, you know, whether, whether uh, you know, the side effects that it's experiencing from drug trials... Uh, would be a better test subject. Yeah. Though, but of course, you know, it's it's going to break the heart of some people knowing that these animals now can communicate. But the scientists who were using them before, they already crossed that Rubicon. They're like, yes, we are doing this because we're trying to improve human life, and this these animal lives are not as valuable. And therefore, we're willing to sacrifice them. We're not willing to waste them. We're not enjoying this. But it's necessary to make safe and effective, you know, improvements to human life. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to turn this into some kind of PETA. No, 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 no. We don't want to. But I'm just saying, but, you know, that's going to be the real, that's going to, you're going to see a lot of stuff. You'd see a lot of stuff on television. The the PETA people or the anti you know, uh, experimentation people would be like, you know, having videos, they have their own channel of videos of animals suffering and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes, though, I mean, it could save their lives. You know, for example, the animals that are being neglected, they're being left in the backyard. You know, animals that are inside of, uh, you know, cars that that have been closed up on a hot day, they can start yelling for help. You know, they can say, I'm too hot, I'm too hot. Yeah. You know, and then people know that the animal just isn't reacting by the fact you're too close to it and you're a stranger. The animal's actually asking for help. So, you know, there's there's so you know, it, it, it could help it could help save the animal's life as well. So it, it, it's a complex thing. But I can see that be really you know, this, all this could really help improve the life of the animal as well as its human um I don't want to use a counterpart or associative person, whatever. The reason that it exists, the person in which it's supposed to interact, uh, you know, that's that's going to be in a big improvement. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? Oh, and of course, eventually, we're going to use them for labor. Yeah, yeah. And that was brought out very clearly in, uh, was it the uh, third uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, wasn't yeah, it? I think so, yeah. No, it was actually more in the fourth one. Yeah, all the ones with Andy Serkis as Caesar I've not seen yet. The last uh, one... No, I'm, I'm talking about the original with and, uh, with uh, Roddy McDowell. Oh, oh you know, okay. With Caesar, you know, uh, where it was essentially he'd grown up. And he was he had escaped the uh, the circus, and he starts running into all of the other animals, all the other chimpanzees and, and whatever that are now being used as, well, basically step and fetch it. You know, they're being used as uh, service slaves. You know, the people uh, domestics. Uh, you know, the various people, and and a lot of times mistreated uh, because they because they weren't even allowed to be taught to talk. You know, because they because humans didn't want them to get too uppity. It was, it was a very strong, you know, uh, 
it was you know considering the time that they came out back in the uh, 60s and 70s there was yeah. a very strong you know uh, 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 social message being in those movies but still it's what you'd expect right oh yeah. you know uh, I could see where uh, uh, you might have a, a burrow uh, that is, uh, and I mean, you, it, it's, the animal can be is intelligent enough to be trained to not, you know, poop, you know, for a certain number of hours only in a certain place, or you, you know, doesn't mind you putting the diaper on it. Then you could take that animal with you, you know, like when you go shopping, and the animal could carry your stuff. And if you were a, a, a an enfeebled person. Uh, you know, you, you could use it to help you. And if you even someone got sick and suddenly had an attack or something, you could uh, there could be things on the wall. Where you could just grab it, hook it onto its harness, and they could quickly you know get them over to a a place of safety and, and, and treatment. So, and we're talking about you know animals that are you know I'm saying burrow, not horse, because it's something they could they could move around with other people fairly easily. Okay. Yeah. Something about, you know, something about the size of another person basically, but just on all fours. Uh, and of course you could always ride them. So, you know, moms, you know, could, uh, uh, pregnant women, instead of having strollers, they just have, they just put the bit, have a little baby saddle on the, on, on, on the burrow or, or whatever. And with a little triangle, with a little triangle on the rear haunch of the burrow, it says baby on back. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. betcha. All yeah. that stuff. So I'm just saying helper animals that are not the traditional ones. Well, we you know, I, and and we brought up uh, all the various things that animals do and I forgot about this one. Uh and I looked this up for uh, a friend of mine because she has catamenial epilepsy. The helper dogs that are there and I mean because it's found out that dogs can detect when the people near them are starting to have epileptic seizures. Okay. And just, it's something just the dog, you know, dogs, animals can sense things. And, you know, they can sense emotion. They can sense weather changes. Well, apparently they found out that certain types of dogs can pick up, I don't know if it's just electrochemically, they're sensing something that a seizure is about to begin. But yeah, these helper dogs, it's a great, that's a great thing. The downside, these things are like five to $15,000 a pop. Like I said, well, I'd do the research, and my friend Lindsay was just like, oh, I said, yeah. Yeah, well, that's... But still, that, that's something else. They're specially that, trained. Yeah. There's, a, there's what's called economy of scale, when, you know, your animals ours all start getting trained for particular jobs and things like that, then you, you basically, it's just like a different, one more thing, and you have a whole industry that produces these helper animals. Yeah. So it would be a lot less expensive. Uh, of course, yeah, we mentioned about uh let's see mentioned leader dogs uh, sure and then, but, i mean of course uh, we have you know just um oh dear and my friend uh dementia friend uh tack in minnesota has one basically like a helper dog i mean these dogs are there for like people who have ptsd and stuff i'm actually thinking more along the lines of people a, a labor force you know yeah. all these all these migrant workers there's no, you know uh, um you know chimpanzees probably not chimpanzees because they're the worst you know the the worst behavior, but like orangutans and gorillas, yeah, they could they could j easily go and and some of the smaller animals. If you're going after smaller fruit, like you know, uh, I don't know, uh, get like monkeys beans. going like picking apples and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, monkeys or but like all the the various berries and things like that. You know, I mean, it's they could go and do those those work. You know, and they would be uh, no more expensive. Uh, and because I said they're a little bit, you know, they're just they're just smart enough. You know, they're if you know uh, um, uh, if you know Brave New World, you know the um, uh, is is it the deltas or the gammas that are the dumbest? Oh gosh, I haven't cracked that game open in ages. I game have to say, book? I, I, I have the book. Yeah, it's in my room. I got it from a friend of mine. It's just I haven't. Oh man. Well, they had they had the example that they had was they had one running an elevator, and. Uh, the door opens up, and the and the and the and the operator is going, the sky, the sky, oh how beautiful the sky! And then there's this voice from a speaker saying, "Go back down to the first floor. Go back down to the first floor. Go back down to the first floor." <laughs> and, and slowly, it like, oh yeah, and it goes and it shuts the doors and it goes back down to the first floor, like it's being told to do. You know, because there's a little speaker that gives it commands. Ah. And it's just smart enough to run the elevator, 
you know, I mean, this was written back in the, like the 1920s or something like that, you know, and I don't know, it, it, but they, um, maybe the thirties where they, there were lots and lots of, uh, people that were, that was their job was to run, uh, run, uh, elevators. So, uh, and, and so you, you know, here, here you could have an animal that was just oh, barely wait a minute. smart. Okay. Enough. I'm sensing a crossed wire here. Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley. Okay. I was thinking of the, 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 the role-playing game Brave New World from Pinnacle. Okay, never mind. Scratch that. No, yeah, that, that I different. have not read. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, it doesn't have to be like um, uh, a monkey or a chimpanzee, okay? It could be um, an octopus. All you need is one of those tentacles. It could be a snake. <laughs> just coils around. Some of these controls it just squeezes and unsqueezes, you know, uh, to do whatever needs to be done. As long as some of the parts are automated, it could handle the rest, as long as it's got the intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this not only would uh, provide this, this, you know, all this you know, slave labor, let's call it what it is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it also would, uh, a lot of these animals that have, the people don't see any use for. I mean, let's face it, you know, I, th I think that the big snakes are beautiful. And, and and they definitely should be protected and and we but I mean there's lots of people who are like oh snake kill it yeah oh yeah you know? oh and, yeah oh yeah and, and they feel the same way about you know jackals and they feel the same way about prairie dogs and they feel the same way about well rats and and uh, uh, raccoons and oh, all yeah. these other animals so it may come a time in our world where in order to keep these animals alive we've got to make them useful so people will let them live yeah. So, anyways, uh, but I'm saying, yes, you know, a labor force, I think, would be the next step. Now, we may have, during all this, you know, we, it, we, it's, we talk about making them more intelligent. Obviously, we're going to have to do something to their brain. But we might also be doing stuff to the other parts of their bodies. We could, for example, give some of these animals that don't have them hands. Yes, that is or one of the things. That is one of the things that does quote unquote, and we use the term. You no, know, it's what separates us from the animals. Hands with opposable thumbs or that allows hand, hands that exist are now given opposable thumbs. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, let's see the. I mean, we've already seen like chimpanzees taking us just picking up a stick. Oh, I'm going to eat termites. Crams the stick into the termite nest and then just licks the termites off the stick like it was an ice cream. Like a popsicle. So we sure. already know that the animals in the world, other than humans that have opposable thumbs, usually primates, we already know that they use tools for various things. Right. And this is one of the reasons why I'm saying if we give them the ability to do that, if we either give them prosthetics or we enhance their genetics to allow them to have those things, we may find that animals that we previously thought were pretty stupid actually are a lot smarter than we thought because intelligence will develop as a result of tool use. Yeah. This is one of the first things I stated when we talked about this. Uh, and, of course, uh, there's going to I mean, making some animals upright, uh, you know, uh, maybe making some animals furless so that they don't smell or they're more easily taken care of. You know, some of those, I mean, I realize that some of the furless cats look really bizarro. Yeah. And there's but, a meme of the shaved bear and that's just like, that's just me. Yeah. Just wow. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand is, is that if it allows them to integrate better with society, that's a, that, that, that may happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we already, you know, have dogs that we, that some people shave them down. And it's like a whole new dog. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, I can see that, you know, uh, but uh, I'm just saying we, we, we may be enhancing them. One of the probably one of the best ways to enhance animals that are that is going to still require a fair amount of, of a genetic manipulation is to increase their ability to make them omnivores, make yeah. them better omnivores than they are right now, because that lets them feed themselves better in the wild, but it also allows them to eat the same food we do, because I don't know about you, but. You know, I'm buying cat food, I'm buying dog food. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like the dog is eating better than I am because, you know... You're I reading mean, the you're nutrition what... on there and then you look yeah. at you know, the snackery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, a hostess Twinkie over here, and the dog over there has got eighteen essential vitamins and 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 and, and whatever minerals. So, <laughs> like, like, you're better off than I am, I think. You know. Well, uh, it, it was funny because uh, old girlfriend of mine, she worked for somebody who had MS. I mean, she was their golfer. She did things for them, like an in. You know, she'd be there from like nine to four every you know weekday and. One of the things that this lady, I believe her name was Alex, had had a dog, a beagle, fed it vegetarian-based dog food. It was totally meatless. Every all the everything was all made from vegetable matter, cornmeal, all that. And Laura had to walk this dog every day, obviously, yeah. because Alex could not do it, and she had to clean up after the dog. So, <laughs> and I'm not trying. And it, it's me, Bruce. You've known me now 15 years. It's not out of malice, but just it's just the first thing that. Oh, so basically salad shooter. And Laura looked at me, and I'm like, why doesn't this dog eat? And it's like, this is what Alex wants, feels it's healthier. I'm like, you do realize dogs are carnivores first and foremost. They they eat meat. The only time that a dog ever ingests any type of vegetable matter, and I'm sure you've seen it with your dogs, is if their stomach's upset, they'll go out and eat grass. Yes. Okay, other than that, they are carnivores. And I'm explaining. Sometimes I'm like, they do it anyways. Yeah, but still, usually the instances I've seen, because my mom used to... No, re- you're right, but it's re- also seasonal. Yeah. I think yeah. that sometimes they smell things and they want to eat it. But it's it's like my mom used to raise toy poodles when we were young, so we had dogs around the house all the time. And right. so the dogs would go out and, you know, because usually there's something and they eat the grass and then they get it out of their system one way or another. Right, just, yeah. sure. But yeah, yeah, just this dog eating vegan dog food, and I'm every time Lord, and I'm just shaking my head, and I'm just like, oh, oh, you had to walk salad shooter today, and she's looking at me like, one of these times I'm gonna slip and I'm gonna call it that to Alex, and she's, I'm gonna get fired. I think that's on you then. I just thought it was funny, you know. Right. And I had to ask. And I just looked at her one time. I said, was it green when you picked it up? She's like, I'm going home. I'm like, no, no. I'm serious. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, enhancing a diet. See, that would involve all and here and here's something else about diet. Ferrets, when when I had Zeke, they have to have like the incredibly specialized diet and incredibly high amounts of protein. Problem is, nature of the beast with ferrets, because of it, they develop tumors very quickly. Zeke had Three tumors that he was fine with, and then in his last couple weeks of life, my daughter took over to take care of the ferret. They found three more, and it's just February 2014, she had to have it put down. And just so, yeah, changing the diet of animals as you're uplifting them, that might be one of the trickiest things of all. But it might really help them. Yeah, it'll help them, but I'm just saying, that's going to be one heck of a hurdle because... Dogs and, and cats, okay, maybe a little better because I'm sure there's probably, you know... And they put, like, cornmeal and all sorts of vegetable-based filler into foods anyways. Right. Well, horses have very specific eating. And if you don't feed a horse properly, the horse can actually die. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember... Oh, I remember the episode of MASH when Sophie had the blockage and they had to apply the hose to help get it out. Yeah. Yeah, and Sophie... Darn near kicked the wall off the stable. Yeah. But no, um, horses, yeah. Giant herbivores, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a horse eating meat. Yeah, that that's... I'm just... Ugh. Because you well, know, you'd, also yeah, have, but... you, you'd also have to change the dental structure. Because, you know, we're omnivores, but we humans still have the canines. Mm-hmm. Now, herbivores usually just have, like, flat ridges that serve as, quote-unquote, teeth. Right. So, yeah, you're going to have to change the dental structure to adapt to in order for them to eat this stuff properly. Because if you try to give an herbivore with that type of, that, what did you, dentation, as you used earlier, yeah, and it's just going to have a lot of trouble trying to grind that meat down. Well, anything that's a ruminant is going to, that's that's a whole different ball of wax because they, they have multiple stomachs yeah, and they're designed yeah. to, you know, they're actually designed to eat the bacteria that lives off of the food that they're, they're uh, gestating in their stomachs. Yeah. So that's a whole different story. I was actually talking about the more normal kinds like goats and, and um, you know. Goats eat anything other, anyways. <laughs> all the other animals, all the other pigs and uh, dogs, cat, all the other animals, they have a fairly normal thing, you know, like, uh, you know, well, you know, similar to us, you know. Now, 
of course, the animals can talk now. So if you ever thought that going into the mall and walking by the ice cream shop with a, with a four-year-old was a problem, just imagine six, you know, you, you walk in six dogs. <laughs> they, they get by the ice cream shop where they know that the ice cream shop gives us, you know, um, doggy treats and vanilla ice cream, you know, to people who ask for it. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a, a yeah. lot of pleading, a lot of crying, yeah. and a yeah. lot of sulking if they don't get what they want. Yeah. So it's, you know, all it's just, I've always referred to dogs as children that never grow up. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and they, and, and giving them the ability to talk and increasing their diet is only going to make that, you know, Better and worse at the same time in in the, in the things that, uh, that that make them troublesome. Yeah. Now, with, yeah. With, with cats and their diets, I as I said, I'm not a fan <laughs> of cats. I have a slight yeah. allergy, and I got scratched up really bad as a kid, so that just sort of turned me off on the whole thing. But yeah. I've been with enough people in my life to understand how they appreciate cats, and yeah. I know the difference between the dry food and the gushy food. The dry food, you know, that probably often has a lot of vegetable matter and filler. That sure. gushy, that gushy food, oh no, that's meat. I can smell yeah. it. Oh yeah, and they, and that's what I'm saying is that sometimes I think they eat better than I do. Yeah, I mean, you open that, open those tins, and they've got you know. Uh, <laughs> tuna and yeah. salmon and all. Oh no, no! I've had to actually the aforementioned Laura. I had to add, <clears throat> two cats of her own plus her roommates had another six. You wouldn't have been able to tell except for the occasional cat toy on the floor that there were eight cats in that house. But yeah, oh no! When the gushy food time came out, I had to leave the room because it was just sensory overload of just right. all of that. But right. yeah, it, it's cats. Yeah, they're even pickier than dogs are. I mean, right. But one of the reasons that cats can't eat dog foods because cats have a um, have a, 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 an amino acid that they can't produce for themselves that they only get from from meat yeah. and protein. Now it's, it's not that you can't give them a, 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 a as you just said a a vegan cat food that has that added to it. But I'm saying though is that one of the reasons that you can't feed dogs cat food. I mean, I, I mean, you feed dogs cat food, but you can't feed cats dog food it's because they, uh, they would be missing that essential amino acid, and they would get sick over time as a result. So uh, that's what I'm saying. So if you can enlarge their diet so that they can eat anything, then it makes it easier to feed them, cheaper to feed them. You know, well, now, yeah, and, and you know, course, now I mean, these animals, you can feed all that garbage right. to, to the animals. Well, it, it's the whole thing about... And I know listeners out there have done this. You've let the dog lick your plate. Just, you know, put it down on the floor and the dog's clean the plate. My grandma always had the saying, if it's good enough for human consumption, it's good enough for the dog. Now, granted, human diets, you mean these dogs end up getting pretty chunky. I had the the, the poodle, Bimbo, we used to let him lick the plates and he was getting a little... Thick around the middle there after a while because he started calling him Blimpo. Yeah, about that was that was pretty much it. He wasn't Joey's little, and this was the AKC name on the pedigree, Joey's little Bimbo boy. He wasn't so little after a while. I I I knew if I would have told mom, you might want to just like uh, liquid paper that out. (laughs) I would have got cuffed. But yeah, it's like, and so you, that's why you see so many people, oh, don't feed the dog that because the dogs have the specialized diet. There may be certain things. And it's, of course, you can't, was it dogs or cats die from eating chocolate? I think it's cats. It's dogs. It's dogs. And only, but I found only certain dogs, only certain breeds. Okay. because uh, I was told, I, I know for a fact that, that there's this, we have a, a neighbor who, whose dog almost died because it ate like half a chocolate cake. Oh, Personally, geez. I think I would have died if I ate half a chocolate cake. But anyways, it's uh, it was had a very toxic reaction. On the other hand, our dog has eaten, uh, I don't know about half, but a good piece of a chocolate cake and was fine. Didn't even, didn't even have, you know, have upset bowels. Just was like, can I have some more? And we're all like, no. We were, you know, you set the, it's like, you know, me and my brother and sister go out for Halloween when we were kids right. and sort out the candy and didn't realize that the dog was 
had eaten some of the candy. It didn't affect the dog. didn't affect Bimbo at all. But we're just like, I'm, I'm sitting there yelling, 9, 10, 11. Give me that look like, what? Right. <laughs> dog did what? And yeah, ate certain right. types of candy bars and just... So my brother tried that one year. He snuck out and ate food and then blamed it on the dog. Right. It wasn't that hard to believe because last year Bimbo ate these candy bars. My mom's like, no, right. g- get over here. <laughs> but if, you know, but if, if we could, you know, I mean, if the animals could talk, then we might be able to find out easier. Like, oh, I, I made me, that made my tummy hurt, you know, or that's really good. That tastes really, really good. And, um, you know, you could come out with better forms yeah. of dog food and yeah, cat true, food yeah. or whatever. And, well, I mean, that's kind of how find they do out it one now. dog doesn't like chocolate, and another yeah. dog is perfectly fine with it because, and you don't have to wait until the dog's near death because of toxic reaction. The dog can tell you immediately that's got a problem. You can give it a little syrup of Ipecac, and up it comes, yeah. and, and uh, problem problem averted. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, let's. But yeah, if you're up, if you're gonna do all the trouble uplifting an animal, you might as well make it a hardier animal while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see here. Uh, one of the things uh, that I mentioned, I can't remember where it here, uh, where it is in his list here. Oh, that was all the way down to ten. Um, okay. Uh, was the fact that uh, yeah, that's later on. We'll talk about that later on. Okay. So they um, giving them full color vision. Lots of animals don't have it. I thought humans were the only one, only creatures that had color vision. Oh no, there there are there are a number of them. As a matter of fact, some animals, you know, uh, can see colors we can't, like bees. They can see ultraviolet. Oh, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, but you know, but dogs, for example, they they really can't see all the colors that we can see. Yeah, you know, uh, I I don't know about cats, uh, but I'm saying I know that you know there's there's varying amounts of of, of uh, ability for animals to discern colors and if we could increase that then of course that would make them more helpful more useful you know it, it's you know if you tell it to go bring me the red ball and it doesn't know what the red right. ball is yeah you know, well if you're going to be having the dogs if you're going to be uplifting them as guards or whatever yeah and you try to get a description oh yeah uh, did he have blonde hair what's blonde Oh, great. Yeah, so I mean, that would be good just for those type of things, for it to describe, okay, what kind of person came in here, what did they have, what color shirt, pants, whatever. And if they give you, it's all gray to me, yeah, okay, that's not going to help us any, Grover. Thanks anyways. Right. Yeah. And you just transitioned into another use of animals, which is security, defense, protection. We already use animals for protection now, but what if they actually become... You know, somebody who could be a, a real bodyguard for you that can call the police if there's a problem. They can chase down mm-hmm. at the speed in which some of these animals can move and uh, an attacker or, uh, you know, uh, or who needs to move to defend somebody. You know, you know, they can't move faster than a bullet, granted, but not everybody has a gun right, right where they're at. But, you know, a dog can be sitting nearby or a cat and, you know, and of course, cats are ninjas, you know. <laughs> oh yeah! Out of yeah. nowhere, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, your uh, your opponent suddenly has his eyes scratched out. Yeah, uh, that could make a big difference. So we, I, I would definitely see the, uh, one of the biggest uh, money aspects of this would be people trying to use them, develop them into being, giving them more intelligence, more trainability, more reliability. You know, uh, it. For the purposes of military service. Well, I mean, we already have, you know, canine units now in both the police and the military, bomb-sniffing dogs and whatnot. And mm-hmm. the U.S. Navy has been using dolphins to find out certain about mines and bombs for years now. So, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, this is already... They're also using them sometimes as um, uh, as rescue animals. You know, to oh, go, okay. go and grab... Sw- they basically swim out the swimmers with a harness on them. The swimmer grabs onto it, and they, and they, and they drag them back to safety. Uh, Beth and I recently, uh, like about a year or so ago, went and swam with the dolphins. And those things are astoundingly misleading. About you know, they, they are so gentle. But when they start moving, you realize in a second that you have no ability to resist these animals. Oh, no, They no. are so, 
and oh, remember, strong. Well, I mean, there's been stories of dolphins and porpoises rescuing people. Just, you know, a pod of porpoises will come up. Oh, you know, this boat's sinking and they're all in the water. And here comes this pod of porpoises just out of the blue and helps, you know, keeps these people safe, protect them from sharks and all that. And, oh, yeah. Right. They, they form a circle around them. And when the sharks try to come up, you know, they beat the beat them to death. Yeah. You know, and, and they keep them safe. You know, it's because, I mean, most most porpoises wouldn't know what to do with you. They wouldn't really want you to grab onto them and drag somewhere. But the ones that have been raised and trained, you know, would know to do that. So they would be, you know, I mean, they would be able to handle uh, you know, let's say someone gets caught in one of those riptides. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a human running out there, they're putting their life really in danger by doing that. They can get pulled down even with the vests and stuff like that. But a, uh, but a porpoise or a, a dolphin, they have not only the physical strength, but they also have the body shape that allows them to resist and to stay under long enough to be able to, you know, save themselves. If they get into trouble, so they, it's it's uh, if we could train these animals better, then of course a we'd want you know we would want to make sure that their environment is stay safer. So you know, we'd be getting rid of the nets that are endangering for them because now we've got a financial reason to keep these animals safe, and also because of all the benefits they could give to the the, the people, you know, uh, and uh, safety and protection and and everything else. So yeah. I mean, there right now, there are, um, uh, you go to these islands where they have resorts. They spend millions of dollars putting down and maintaining nets uh, a certain distance away from the beach to provide a completely safe environment free of sharks. Okay, and because they know that one shark attack and the summer is over, basically. The island, oh, yeah, I know. We've been having... Island. If you've been hearing that, what, like 25 shark attacks off U.S. shores in 2019, and yeah, needless to say, it, it it's brought attention to a lot of people, and they've had to shut down beaches and all this, and I'm like, yeah, it's because of climate change and the water temperatures changing, so they're encroaching on human lands. It's like when you rip out a forest, and then you wonder why you have all these animals now digging through your garbage it's because you've taken away their home because you want to build right. more $150,000 homes for people and just yeah right it, it's, yeah but if you were able to train these animals you know to be to basically patrol these areas and keep these sharks and other types of nuisance animals away uh, it would probably be cheaper than yeah. like put it yeah, well it's basically how I feel about uh, and I don't want to get political here about the uh, southern border fence wall yeah. that a wall is can't be anywhere near as efficient as a ro as roving um you know interactive and and, and positively acting of uh, sentinels like drones and cameras and other and patrols and things like that so uh i i i could you know they certainly it, it would uh you know you you could tolerate uh, uh a little a little higher risk you know, you wouldn't have to make sure you were you repaired those nets instantly every time there was a problem because you you'd have your dolphins and your porpoises out there making sure that no shark took advantage of those because they're intelligent enough to understand that. So yeah, so protection, defense, bodyguarding, and then of course attacking. Yes, you know they're. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, certainly dogs have been, you know, the, the term attack dog has been with us a long time. Uh, and and Russians were known for their bears. Yeah. You know, usually they did it more for sport, but, you know, there was more. Uh, and even the Romans, I, and of course, uh, the elephants. Uh, elephants were used as attack animals uh, by a number of uh they weren't just like beasts of burden. They were actually attack animals. And, of course, horses. Yeah. Horses, you know, have been attack animals for millennia. <laughs> so they weren't just to carry a rider. You know, usually when you got into combat, a lot of times the rider would get off the horse and the horse would fight next to the rider. Those hooves coming down would just smash oh, yeah. right through somebody's helmet and uh, take them out. Uh, a lot of times horses were better of combatants than the soldiers that were riding them. And of course, they they were there to carry the uh, wounded uh, uh, 
uh, aristocrats from the field if, if ever one of them actually did fall. So, yeah, it was uh, having a, a more intelligent, more capable uh, warrior animal would certainly be a benefit to some people. Uh, I'm not in favor of enhancing our military strength because I think we've got plenty. But uh, this would be certainly there are people that would want this and uh, and they would spend many trillions of dollars to make it happen if there was a good chance of it actually being as effective as we're talking about. So uh, uh, one of the things I listed here, because it's, it's a little bit hard to understand, but giving them complex reasoning and the ability to be left alone for a long time while performing tasks. You know, uh, the ability to work independently, uh, performing your duties, is something that's very, pretty rare, actually, in uh, in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Uh, the closest thing I can think of are the herd dogs. You know, the 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 uh, what are they called? They're border collies. Yeah, yeah, border yeah. Collies. They, they, I mean, the, the the shepherds literally they they pay no attention to them. They they, they got their job to do. They're going to take care of it. You know, the animals are going to be. You know, when it comes time to go from one place to another, they lead the animals or chase them through and you know nip at their heels and. And, and get it done, and, and a, a, a well-trained border collie literally is worth more than um, a, a man to do the yeah. same job, and because they're better at it, they're <laughs> frankly they're just better. And uh, you can and you can grow new border collies a lot faster than you can raise and replace a uh, uh, and train a human. Yep. So uh, I could see some, and if you throw it, make them even smarter. Uh, but I mean, other things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, some some good examples of of, uh, of where, like I said, well, well, for example, when we were talking about the animals that are uh, going to go and and be the same thing as migrant workers, those people work all day, you know, getting bushels of whatever it is you're trying to do. If you can have these animals smart enough and trained well enough and give them the ability to continue working and not stopping and getting distracted because their intelligence is high enough, then they don't forget what they were doing. Then that, you know, that just makes it better for them as workers, as, as participants in whatever the task it is that you want them to do. So you definitely would want to increase that ability. Yes. So finally, after all that, we finally get animals that are as smart as we are, which is not saying much in some cases. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but still, you know, we're 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 the best we got. We haven't found anything smarter than us. So uh, though we can imagine things smarter than us, uh, we don't. And maybe and maybe they'll be able to make computers smarter than us than one day. But right now, I th- I think our odds on uplifting animals to human intelligence is probably better. If nothing else, we've got our own genome that we can give them. That yeah. might make a big difference. Because in back in the 90s, the Human Genome Project mapped out the entire human genome. I remember it took years for them to do it. But finally, sometime in the late 90s, the HGP well, it was got to that take done. like 20 and 30 years. But the fact of, of computers getting so f- good so fast, you know, so quickly, that it, it basically locked decades off the project. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's like the SETI project where people, you know, they, they had uh, a uh, screensaver that would basically process stuff for the SETI project and send it in, in an email packet oh, back yeah. to the SETI project. You know, when your computer wasn't otherwise in use. Yeah, me, me and the, the me and Tina had that on on her uh, desktop. Yes, I remember that. Right. So uh, and, and and of course there is always the possibility that you could uh, uh, make it, make the animals smart enough to do parts of, of 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 jobs that like that. But if they're as smart as we are, then essentially they can do all the jobs that we can. Okay, and uh, which theoretically would mean a, a a new era of leisure for human beings. Yes, because now because again we're still, still slaves. <laughs> they're they're now doing all the work and getting paid. We're getting paid for the work that they're doing. So they're getting you know anything. If you want that backyard, you know, uh, uh, landscaped and the and the grass mowed and all that and and the the, the the weevils picked out of the bushes, they can do it. They're smart enough to do it. They're they're willing to do it for long periods of time. Uh, you know, hopefully they're doing it because you're treating them well. 
not because they're afraid you're going to sacrifice them yeah. if, you, uh, if they don't do what you tell them to do, because that's what happens to slaves, uh, or sell them because they're you know to be used somewhere else, the glue factory. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, again, we are always going to be skirting on this ethical thing. But if they're as smart as we are, then essentially we might actually learn some stuff. I mean, because they might bring new perspective. Yeah, definitely new insights, seeing the world from their viewpoint as opposed to ours. Yeah, we would definitely gain new societal, psychological... Music, art, their ability to perceive differently than ours. Oh, okay, yeah. Here it is, we may think this one song is great, and to them... You know, there are some people who find dubstep annoying, and all of a sudden we find out that it puts them in a euphoria. You know, just things like that, yeah. But they might be able to add, like, you know how... Sometimes you have a song, then you add a bass line to it. It makes the song all that much better. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe because of their ability, uh, a dog or, or another animal's ability to hear better than we do, they might be able to add nuances to music that we wouldn't think of doing because we can't perceive it. Yet, it's still because of the overtones and things like that, it makes the song better. Well, I remember the phrase that Buddy Holly said years ago. Um, I've got... I've got tunes in my head that no one's ever heard before. And so, yeah, the dog coming up and listening to this, or the cat listening to this, that would be a whole new industry. You uplift these animals and we're making music that, yeah, we humans hear it on one level, and then you're putting stuff higher and lower in the in the tone range. They might be hearing a totally different song, yet one song is playing. Right. They, so might, be able ever... to, they might be able to hear... And it would be totally different nuances. A, a a song that is happy for us would be incredibly sad for them. I mean, you can make it a sad song and just make it in all these in, to human inaudible tones. You're getting two songs in one, and so Don't, yeah, that, that yeah. would be they. That could be a whole new industry there. You know, the just call it you know like duo tone music or whatever. Dog Howlings Volume Thirteen. Yeah, or no? Ooh, boom! Got it. Here we go. Star Trek Four. I think you know where I'm going with this. Okay. Whales can finally tell us what in the hell they're saying with these songs. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because I think there was actually somebody, and it, I, it's kind of new agey, and I'm not, I'm not crapping on pagan religions at all. Very, very, a lot of people close to me are pagan. <laughs> I'm not dumping on you, but just you know, somebody did whale songs and just record them and put them on a CD. I remember a few years ago, and I'm like, okay, I can see how they were soothing and everything, and. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, I could see this work. Yeah, the whales would be finally to tell us. We're telling you, quit throwing your crap in the ocean. <laughs> or they're get, or they're singing poetry to us. Yeah, we're just and we're just too too deaf to hear. Yeah, right, because we just don't. We're hearing just you know that's all we're hearing. It's like no, yeah. you didn't hear us accent that final syllable. God, you're so human. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know you. You know the, the the you know what it's like to to swim into the inky blackness of the depths. Yeah, because, because you know like blue whales or sperm whales can go down like a thousand, couple thousand feet, you know, under the ocean. Yeah, and I mean there's no light down there. They're just swimming around. What, what, you know? and, and we were and talking about this in a game, and I think this was Saturday. Um, I think after what what is it that sunlight can reach farthest down in the ocean, like a mile? If that. Oh no! Oh no! A couple hundred feet. Oh yeah, three hundred feet. Yeah, we were discussing that last night because we had an underwater adventure with the uh, Team Candlestick 2.0. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's like the whales being able to tell. It's like no, you're alone. You're in the darkness. You feel the cold. All these various sensations that are down there. This is what it's like for us. It's peaceful and just yeah. Or a wolf howl. If you uplift a wolf, it could be I'm calling my friends or yeah, one of our cubs. The pack. Yeah, one of our uh, cubs I mean, has been injured. We're on the way. You know. Yeah. But, I mean, just imagine, you know, we, we talk about how the, the sense of elation of seeing your family and friends arrive, you know, when you get off a plane in a strange land. Yeah. So just take that and just encapsulate it into a wolf song where it's calling its pack. And all those feelings that you're talking about are all part of the song. Yeah. We could benefit, We could get that. They could finally be able to tell us how they feel, and we could benefit from that. They could basically make us better people because we they, we, they actually have something to tell Help us. Help us connect with something that with 
civilization and evolution we may have quote unquote lost or forgotten. Find out that that we're not the only ones with souls. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. that wouldn't cause any type of debate at all. No, uh, no, 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 nothing, nothing at all. all. Nothing, nothing at all. all. Ain't touching right. a ten foot pole. Yeah. <laughs> this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.